Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. The psalmist said, in your presence, dear Lord, there is fullness of joy. In a few moments, I'm going to teach a lesson on the concept of joy and how we can have joy no matter what the circumstances are in our lives. But for now, just this moment, I want to rest in the presence of Jesus. That's all we need. That's all we want. So here's what I would like you to do at this time. Just breathe in real heavy one time, real heavy. Get a deep breath and let it all out, all right? And rest. Leave as best you can all the distractions that tried to follow you and chase you in here today. And we all have those, you know, responsibilities, obligations, sometimes distractions. So in the presence of Jesus, we are refueled, if you will, re-strengthened because we've been hit. We've been taking hits all week long. And sometimes we stagger into the presence of God when it comes to his church. It doesn't matter, see, because when we make it into his presence, he fills us with his love, mercy, compassions, joy, and peace. What we need to do is rest just long enough to say, dear Lord Jesus, here I am. I belong to you. I look to you. I need you. Minister to me, dear Father. And that's our prayer, dear Lord. As we revel and celebrate and enjoy just being with you at this very moment, our Savior, our forgiver, our refuge, our safe place, our provider, our protector. Thank you, dear Lord. Bless your name in your church. Bless your name in our lives personally today. We love you. God, we open ourselves up to you, Lord. Whatever it is, teach us, grow us, strengthen our faith. Be honored, dear God, as we worship you. Build us, build your church. And thank you for the incredible blessing of joy. And we pray for each of our families this way, in the precious name of Jesus, amen. God bless you, friends. You can be seated. Thank you, band. I appreciate that. Let's give our band a round of applause and thanksgiving. I do appreciate them very much. That, yes, that's more like it. That's what it, we like. That is a powerful, powerful thing. Not the music, but the presence of the Lord. So welcome, welcome each of you. Um, we're going to look today at the life of Paul, and we're going to talk about, as I mentioned, this concept of joy. Before I get there, most of you know by now, uh, the reason I'm here with you this morning is our pastor has test, tested positive for COVID. He's doing well, and uh, he is in quarantine, which is difficult for him. He's, he's anxious to get out, but he's doing very, very well. So pray uh, for him. He wants uh, me to thank you as well for uh, your prayers that he's already been experiencing, and his symptoms are very mild at this point, and so uh, he'll, he'll be with us uh, soon. It is a 14-day uh, quarantine, which means uh, he'll be out one more Sunday, and then that following week he'll be able to uh, bust out of, of hiding. So just continue with your prayers uh, from him, if you would. And happy Veterans Day for all of our veterans. At the end of this service, we're going to honor you again, and we have a special gift for you as you leave. We'd also like to get a picture, if you're so inclined. We'd love to honor you and, and say thank you for that as well. So, as we begin today, I want to share with you a list that I created of my best moments in life. Now, it's not exhaustive. I mean, it's not going to go all day here. I'm just trying to make a point to you because I think all of us can have our own lists. So, these are things that people have said to me that I would chalk up to say, you know, that was good. That feels good. I'd say that was a great moment. For instance, hey, you've made the team. We want you to play on our team. I thought that was great. 
I enjoyed hearing that uh, quite a bit. <clears throat> how about this one? We'd like to hire you. And I mean, I don't know how many times you've heard that. I mean, we, how many times do we have new jobs, right? But I like, you know, that's a good feeling. That's a good moment. That's one of the best moments in life. I, 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 I want you to, you know, we, we'd like to hire you. Or this one uh, was very special. Yes, I'll marry you. Yes, yes, yeah, of course I'll marry you. Well, that's not the way she said it. <laughs> but she said, yes, I'll marry you. And I thought, dang, that is a special moment. So one of the best moments, you know. How about this one? You, uh, congratulations, you're a homeowner. And that's a good feeling. Another uh, good one, one on my list is, hey, it's a boy. And then it's a girl. And, and, and so all of these things, you know, it's a good list. And we won't go on. To, and you have your own list. We also have a list that we would call, <clears throat> hope that never happens again list, right? And you can fill that one too. And the point, is, the point is, I think we know by now that there are some life moments that aren't so great. Sometimes things don't go our way. Something goes wrong. Our dreams are shattered. And, and so here's the question as we begin. How does joy, how does the concept of joy fit in to our lives? Is it even relevant? And we're going to talk about that. And I think it is very, very relevant. I want you to listen hard today uh, because it's, it's, it's uh, somewhat tedious, but it's very, very, very worthwhile. <clears throat> here's the situation. We think of joy, we think of happiness. I want you to know there's a difference. There's a difference between happiness. Happiness is one thing, joy is quite another. The good moments on my list made me very happy. I mean, at least for a while. There are events, uh, there, and, and, and that's the problem with e happiness. It, it doesn't always last. It comes and it goes because good events in life, they, you know, they come and they go, and we try to make them last as much as we can. That's one of the big differences between happiness and joy, and I'll show you those differences in just a moment. Before we get to those, I want to share with you uh, from the book of Philippians today an example of having joy in life from the Apostle Paul. So if you have your apps or you're looking on the screens or you have your Bibles with you, turn in your Bibles to the book uh, named Philippians. I want to give you some quick background on this scenario that, that Paul finds himself in. The book of Philippians is a book written to the believing people, the believers of Jesus, in the city of Philippi. <clears throat> in the year 52 AD, Paul planted a church. In fact, this church here, he planted uh, in the city of Philippi. And it was his very, very, very church plant. I mean, he planted many churches. He planted the church in Ephesus, the church in Colossae, all kinds of uh, different uh, churches. This was the very, very first one that Paul had ever planted. About 52 AD, he began this church in, in the city of Philippi. The city of Philippi is named after Philip of Macedon. Philip of Macedon was the father of Alexander the Great, and he conquered this city, Philip did. Uh, it was called Crusades, something along that nature, in terms of pronunciation. Um, and then he renamed it. He renamed it Philippi. And so this is the uh, area, this is the city, the Greek city, a major city uh, in which Paul planted his very, very first church. The book of Philippians is actually a pretty small book, pretty uh, short. It's only 104 verses. There's four chapters in the book of Philippians and, and about 20 or so, uh, 25 or so verses each, 104 verses. You can read it literally in a matter of 15 or 20 minutes. It's rich with basic Christian living. It's also rich with this concept, this, this theme of joy. In the short book of Philippians, the word joy, the theme of joy is mentioned 16 times. The irony of that is that we need to see that Paul is writing this from prison. So the placement of this book in the Bible is, is in a grouping called the prison epistles. I don't know if you know this or not. Um, you probably do. The, your Bible books, there's, there's one Bible, there's 66 books that make up the Bible. A collection of 66 books. There's 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, and they're, category, they're, they're, they're listed... They flow with, by categories, not chronologically. In other words, uh, the very first book of the, uh, the Bible that was written, you know, growing up, I automatically thought, of course, it was Genesis. It wasn't Genesis. The first book that was written was the book of Job in terms of time. And so that's just interesting facts. But if you categorize, if you dissect the scripture, you'll find that, for instance, the first five books of the Bible are what we would call the law of Moses, or the theological Bible, Bible term would be the Pentateuch, you know. 
And then after the Pentateuch, after the law of Moses, you get into the, the history of Israel with First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles and First and Second Samuel and the exploits of Elijah and Elisha and David and King David, you know, and Saul and all of the history of Israel. And then after that, the history of Israel, you get into some poetic themes like the book of Proverbs and, and, and the book of Psalms and Ecclesiastes. It's, it's poems, it's, it's wisdom literature, you know, those three books. After that, we get into the prophets. You've heard this term, I'm sure, minor prophets, major prophets. About the time that Ecclesiastes ends, we get started with some long books, and those are called major prophets. The reason they're major prophets, by the way, is because they're long, not because they're more important than the minor ones. They're just long. And then you have the minor prophets that are short books, you know, Micah, Zephaniah, Nahum, and Habakkuk, and Malachi. These are short books. They're very strong in message, but they're a little shorter, so they're called minor. Then quickly, you get into the New Testament, uh, first four books of the Bible, you probably know, Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, then the history of the early church, the book of Acts, and then with the book of Romans begins what we would call the letters to the church, the letters of Paul. There are some general letters that Paul wrote. The book of Philippians would be one that we would term prison epistles. That is to say that Paul wrote this while he was in prison. You can also say that of Ephesians and, and Philemon and, and uh, books like that. They're, they're prison epistles. Later on, this is just quick church history that I enjoy. I don't know if you're getting this or not. Later on, Paul pens the uh, first and second book of Thessalonica, or Thessalonians, and then Titus, and then first and second Timothy. These are what we would call pastoral epistles. And then you got general letters, Peter, Jude, James, Hebrews, and then the final book of uh, prophecy, of course, the revelation according uh, to John the Apostle, the revelation of Jesus Christ, prophetic book. So this collection makes up our Bible. Here, this book of Philippians was written by Paul about joy in life when he was in a very, very joyless situation. So the question is, we have to dig it out here, how can Paul have joy in life when things aren't going his way? And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're going to start in chapter 1. We're going to try to get all the way through this chapter. Uh, so, so we're going to talk about uh, Paul. By the way, the prison system that Paul was in was quite different than one you would understand today. Uh, the prison system back then was dark and danky and stinky. I mean, it was, they, they bore the, the, the prisons out of the ground, so they were underground, no lighting, uh, a lot of cold and wet and type of thing. And then they, they would chain a guard to you. How'd you like that job? What do you do for a living? Well, I, I, I go to jail every day. I'm just in jail. I'm kind of like an inmate every day because I got to guard this guy. They chain me to him. And that's what happens. Paul was in this dark, dank, wet, stanky uh, prison chained to a guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so from that situation, from that experience comes the book of Philippians. Verse number three of chapter one in, in uh, Philippians, the Bible says this, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. We're just going to stop real quick, just make a couple observations there. I can tell you this, friends. If I were in prison and this was me, I wouldn't say things like that. If I was writing you a letter, I would say things like, hey, every time I think of you, I wonder where are you at and why have you not come to rescue me, right? Bail me out or something. But Paul, he said, no, you know, I'm just thinking about you here. I was thinking about you and good things. I mean, I give thanks to my God every time I think about you. It's a little crazy, but Paul has a totally different attitude, and it's something that he's going to teach us in this book, how that believers in Jesus can have joy even on the bad days. And there will be bad days. I mean, we know this. We all understand that. I mean, it, it take, it, it's pretty safe to say that Paul would not put this experience on his good moments in life list. And yet his attitude, ah, it's not woe is me. It's not I feel sorry for myself. It's not poor old me. It's not I didn't deserve this. He has a totally, and he surprises us with his attitude right off the bat. Chapter one, verse three, I give thanks. I literally am in an attitude of thanksgiving over you. Yeah, I'm in jail. I'm in dark and dungeon. It's crazy down here. So we all have these seasons of life. We all have these times when life doesn't go the way we want them to go and our dreams are shattered and we complain and we blame and we make excuses. We defend ourselves. And so what we're going to learn from this example 
It doesn't have to be that way, you know. Uh, we can have joy and we can be joyful even in the bad days, even in the bad times, even in the bad seasons of our lives. And so I encourage you and I challenge you, give yourselves to the Lord today and say, Lord, teach me, grow me, help me. In fact, a real sign of spiritual maturity, I would say, is found in how we respond to what life brings our way. Verse number four, whenever I pray, Paul says, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began this good work in you, and he did, man, that was good times we had together. Back in the day when we were rallying and, and gathering and sharing the gospel and, and, and you were responding in faith and, and many of you came to faith and you began this relationship with God and you were forgiven and you were, you were excited about this relationship and, and he's saying, you know, like from the very first time, God has started this work in you. And let me tell you, friends, he says, he, he will continue his work until it's finally finished. On the day when Jesus Christ returns, God is doing a work and he's not giving up. He's not stopping. He's forming his image within you. He's forming his purposes within us and within his church. So what we find here is Paul as a cheerleader. Paul is cheerleading this church. It's not hype. It's just truth. And he is suggesting that every dream and all those dreams for reaching people and serving those with need and what we started 10 years ago, as I stated, is going to happen. It's going to happen in Jesus' name. And so just seems funny, you know, because at this point, Paul's own dreams aren't working out. Uh, I would tell you uh, that, that Paul's dream was to go to Rome. He mentions it several times, even in the book of Acts. And, and as he's going along and serving Christ in all these cities and missionary journeys and all these crazy experiences he's had, he reiterates and comments how, that, man, I'm looking forward to Rome. Yeah, I'd like to go to Rome. Man, when I get to Rome. And his, his thinking was, this dream was about sharing the good news of Jesus with the Roman people. And in his mind, just like ours, I mean, we have an idea of what we think we'd like to do, what we think would honor God, what we think would be best for everybody. And his idea was, the more people that I can gather in Rome, the more people can hear the good news of Jesus, respond in faith, receive the forgiveness of sins, and God be glorified. And this was his dream. And he's saying to the Philippian people, I thank my God for you. I mean, I think my God, God's done a great work. He's still going to finish it. Uh, and, 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 and you can bank, you can just keep a hold of that dream. Even when his own dreams were messed up and not coming true at all. So instead of preaching to the master or masses, he's just sitting in prison. And he's writing these things. Every time I think of you, I think of this, you know, give, give thanks. And this is a guy who, instead of preaching on a stage, now he's writing and reminiscing, how does he do this? Well, the question uh, for us today is, how does Paul maintain such joy and po positivity in the midst of less than desirable circumstances? And as we go through this, we're going to find out Paul had something better than happiness. Paul had joy. Paul had joy. Most of us we pursue happiness. I mean, the American dream, right? Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, Chevrolet. That was, that was, that was you know, those are the things that, what do they say? Uh, they go together in a great old USA, right? That, that was our dream growing up. And that was something that was, we clung to. But most times life doesn't work out that way and doesn't have to ruin our lives. It doesn't have to ruin us when things don't work out. We can still have something that goes beyond happiness. And Paul suggests, hey, that's joy. And a much stronger and much more rewarding and gratifying and fulfilling character trait is joy as opposed to happiness. And so before we get too far in the text, let me point out to you some differences between happiness and joy. I think it'll help us understand where Paul's coming from. First of all, and again, it's in your notes, happiness is external. That is to say, you're happy when things are great on the outside. You know, like the sun is shining, it's a good day. When it's, when it's raining and wet and, and, and crazy, damp outside, it's, things aren't, that's not a good day. And so we're not happy. When our favorite football team wins, we're happy. When they lose, hide the kids, right? There's a lot of examples that we can do. It has to do with your health. I'm feeling good today. I'm having a good day. It's a happy day. When I, when I have pain, it's not a happy day. It's a bad day. And we go back and forth with all these areas of our life. Happiness is external. Whereas, or on the other hand, joy inside. It's an internal thing. It's from the inside out. 
This means that joy is not based on conditions or circumstances around us. That's not where joy is, is coming from. Joy is a choice purposely made. All right? Joy is an attitude of the heart, attitude of the spirit, present inside all of us as an untapped reservoir potential, I'd suggest. This means that we can have joy even in our worst days. It's not about our circumstances. It's not about how we feel. It's not either about living in denial or ignoring our pain and sorrow. That's not what it's about. Joy is much deeper, richer, more stable. It's internal, friends. Joy is internal even on the worst days. It's possible, in other words, to feel joyful in difficult times. Joy doesn't need a smile uh, to exist, although everything goes better with a smile. Is that not correct? Is that not correct? Can I help? Can you smile? There you go. There you go. Some of you I just depend on, right? Uh, that's great. You look good. You look good. So joy doesn't depend on whether we smile or not, but it helps. It's good. Happiness is not present in darkness. Happiness is not present in difficulty. Uh, joy can share its space with other emotions, sadness, shame, anger. Happiness can't do that. Joy never leaves. Joy undergirds our spirit. Joy brings peace and contentment. And this is what we see in the Apostle Paul. It's just fascinating. And it's what we can experience as well. Now, I want to share with you and suggest to you... Um, that if anybody could say what's being said here, Paul can. I mean, Paul's experiences were powerfully hard. In fact, if you were to go later on today uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you'll see a list uh, of all the things that Paul had to endure in his life. For instance, on five different occasions, because of his witness for Christ, he was beaten. He was flogged, is what they would call it. And flogging in those days was very, very well organized. It was a strategic form of torture that they took, uh, whether it was Jewish or, or Roman, that people took very seriously. And so they would take rods and they'd physically beat him uh, to a pulp. And he endured that, the scripture says, uh, at least on five different occasions. It's, again, craziness. I mean, thinking to myself, how does he do that? You know, it's like when he goes, okay, this happened before. Here we go again the second time. And th by the fourth time, you're like just, all right, I know, this, I know the drill. You know, he took off his shirt for them and go ahead and beat me. You know, I've been done, done this before. Usually he didn't survive that. Paul says it happened five times. And he, in fact, survived. Other time, he was shipwrecked. He said he was shipwrecked, and uh, what happened there was for uh, about 36 to 48 hours, he was floating out to sea. That's not fun. Makes his way to an island, dry ground, with some people around there. They build a fire. This is good. A snake suddenly comes out of nowhere, out of the fire, and bites Paul. This is bad. It's it's not getting any better for Paul. These are the things that, that uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 uh, lists. It talk about a, a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, right? He's like Alexander now, and this is Paul. So the point is this. Joy is not based on conditions. It's not based on circumstances that go on around you. Paul teaches that we can have joy in our worst days, and if anyone could say it, it was Paul. So verse 16 through 18, chapter 1. I'm sorry, chapter, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen to his perspective. Talking about what he's been through. He says, that's why we never give up. Though our bodies external are dying, he says. Our spirits internally are being renewed every day. He goes on, for present troubles are small and won't last long. Really, Paul? It doesn't seem like your troubles are very small and they actually seem like they're lasting a long time here. But in his perspective, I belong to Jesus. My life is in Christ. My identity is in Christ. My welfare, I depend, my dependent, I mean, it's on him. And so, of course, when you have your eyes on Jesus, it seems like such a short time. That's what he's saying. He says, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, here's what we do. We fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. The things we cannot see will last forever. 
Notice how that you and I, we can have an outside dynamic that's different from our inside dynamic, and we can have an inside dynamic that's different from our outside dynamic, and, and they're, they're different. In fact, if they were the same, we'd be in trouble. And so the point is, happiness is external, joy is internal. Here's another difference. Happiness is based on circumstances. In other words, you are totally at the mercy of whatever happens. However, joy offers something else. Joy is based on Christ. Joy is based on your relationship with Jesus. And what he will do is two things. Number one, he'll supernaturally change you from the inside out. Number two, he'll teach you how to live. And that, friends, is where I want to be here for just a moment. This entire writing, this short little book, four chapters of Philippians, written by Paul, is for the purpose of growing us spiritually, growing us into maturity. He wants our faith to be strong. He wants our faith to progress. We're going to read about that here. Philippians verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 11, by the way, not that I was ever in need. Paul's just sharing his testimony. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Uh, NIV states it this way, I have learned to be content whatever their circumstances are. And so happiness is based on circumstances, but joy, on the other hand, is based on Christ. One more uh, difference, and we'll continue in chapter 1. Happiness happens by chance. The bad part of this is that it's not up to you. I mean, that's the problem of happiness. It's not up to us. It has more to do with, you know, being lucky when I have a good day. When happiness is present, it's larger than life. I mean, nothing seems better or worthy of our attention. But happiness, I mean, it's so fickle. And, And it can be present for weeks on end. And it can go in an instant. Joy, friends, is constant. Joy happens by choice. It's up to you. It's up to me. We run the risk of letting things we can't control control us. I would say it this way. Don't let the things you can't control control you. Joy can overcome. Joy can overcome anything and everything in this world if it's allowed, if it's chosen. So with joy, there's hope. With joy, Hardships after, uh, hardship offers growth and opportunity. With joy, self-esteem and self-respect are indescribable, solid. Let me share with you a story about a man named Horatio Spafford. Uh, some of you may recognize that name. I mean, he lived way back early. He was born in 1828, I want to say. 1828, born in New York. Actually, was, was made his business, most of his life was in Chicago, Illinois. And he was a wealthy businessman. He had a lot of business affairs, had a great family. His wife was Anna. They had five children at that time, uh, one boy and four beautiful daughters. Sadly, when his son was four-year-old, he he passed away, his four-year-old boy, which I can't think of anything harder than losing a child. It's just very, very, very hard, and it's something they experienced and they had to deal with, but they continued in the same year He lost almost all of his business dealings in what you may remember as the Great Chicago Fire. And this is 1871 in that area. So he loses his child, his little boy. He loses his entire income and and, and method of income as well. Most of his business, and now he's in a situation where he's tired, he's exhausted. He's trying to be the husband he needs to be. He's trying to be the leader. He's trying to figure out how I can survive or how I can get on my feet again, you know, and so in a course of events, he was invited to Europe by a friend of his. Uh, It turns out that uh, Horatio Spafford had a friend named D.L. Moody, who was a pastor. You may recognize that name. Um, He was in Europe. Friend said, hey, come on over. We we would, uh, you you need to get away. You need some rest. Your whole family would be a good idea if y'all can just get out for a while, recalibrate, refresh, And so he said, yeah, you know, good idea. That's what we'll do. So they prepared to do that. Uh, Just about the time he's ready to go on this trip, a business situation comes up. It's a problem. He needs to solve it. He needs to stay back. So he says, hey, you know, Anna and the four girls, y'all going ahead. I will be there. Just give me a couple days. I'll solve this and I'll get there. And that's what happened. Uh, The family uh, grabs a ship, a little Scottish steamboat ship, and they're on their way over across the Atlantic to Europe. And Horatio stays, and then he deals with his business, proceeds, unfortunately, a couple days in to the trip on the steamboat. There was another 
large vessel ship that collides with their boat. There was 300 plus people on board of this Scottish steamboat. 226 of them lost their lives, including these four daughters, Horatio and Anna, their daughters. Anna actually survived. In fact, um, Anna makes it to land. He, she telegrams, uh, you know, his, her husband, I'm saved alone. I, I was part of her message, you know, what should I do? What's, and so Horatio jumps the next ship. He runs over the cross the Atlantic to be with his wife to mourn. On his way over there, the captain of the ship calls for Horatio and he says, listen, about an hour from now, we're going to be, I mean, just directly over where the accident happened. If you would like, I'll stop the boat so you can pay respects and think and reflect and pray. Horatio thought it was a good idea, and that's what they did. It was heart-wrenching, painful, thinking about his precious babies. So it was at that time, the story says, that either there or back in his cabin, he goes and he writes, he penned some words, he wrote them on a piece of paper, and here's what he wrote. When peace like a river attendeth my way, which is good, by the way, we like when peace like a river attends our way. That's the good days. And then he said, when sorrow like sea billows roll. Oh, those are bad days. He says, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say. What did he say? It is well, it is well with my soul. Listen to what he is saying. He is saying this, it is well, friends not with my circumstances. It is well with my soul. I'm making a choice that even though everything on the outside is tearing me apart, even though everything on the outside is not what I like and want it to be, I know there's something to be found in you, Lord. I know there's something to be found on you on the inside. Listen, I mean, 150 years later or so, 150 years later, about every believer in Jesus has been encouraged and ministered to through those words, through that music and the psalm. Because one man made a choice to be joyful in the midst of his pain. I'm just saying, joy is a choice. And the Bible gives us, gives you that choice today. I cannot stop circumstances. They're going to happen. We live on a cursed earth. Our bodies are going to waste away. We live among disease and war and sickness and murder and hatred. It's all around us. And in the middle of all this is a choice that you and I get to make, the choice of joy. In fact, let me just show you this verse in the in the Law of Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Today, this is God speaking. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and cursing. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life, he says. Oh, that you would choose life. It's your choice. I'm giving you this choice. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Let's go into talk about joy no matter what the circumstances are. Philippians chapter 1 again, this time verse number 9, what we're going to see here is a prayer, prayer uh, that, that Paul, the apostle, is praying. He's praying it over the people in Philippi, the followers of Jesus there. It's a prayer that you and I can actually pray over one another as well. The prayer goes like this in verse number 9, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Once again, the whole purpose of this 104 verse essay is to say, let's grow strengthen, progress. Let's get better at this. When life throws us curveballs and, and, and when life doesn't, our dreams don't come true, let's, let's grow, let's learn, let's understand. That's what Paul is saying. I want you, then verse 10, I want you to understand what really matters. Now in my study and my learning and thinking here, that phrase just stuck out to me, so I just left the rest of the passage there. I want you to understand what really matters. So he gives us some three things I would suggest to you. And these are, again, you can watch in your notes uh, or on the screen. Number one, stop asking why. Stop asking why. We're talking about the choice of joy. We're talking about things that come our way and our dreams not working. Stop asking why. Now, here's my experience. Um, I've asked why. I think we all have asked why. I've asked why over and 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 over again. And guess what? Nothing. In most cases, we don't get an answer to our whys. 
The danger is that we can die in our wise. The danger is that we get stuck in our wise. And here's what needs to happen. We have to get over the distraction of whatever it is that we want to know. We have to get over the distraction of what happened. And too many times we stop in the circumstance. We stop at the point of distraction. We get stuck in our situation and we don't know what to do with the truth of God has, ne has never promised that this would be a place uh, of perfection. The Lord Jesus never said, you're going to grow up in a perfect world. That's not promised us. God never promised smooth sailing. He did promise that we would experience difficult days. He did promise that. He did promise tough times. Jesus in, in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. How many of you have that on your refrigerator? Look at me. This is my favorite verse. In this life, you'll have many <laughs> troubles and sorrows. Not always a favorite. Jesus says, stay with me, keep heart, I've overcome the world. God doesn't promise us that everything will be good. He didn't promise us that we wouldn't have trouble. He promised that in our troubles, we could rise above. He came on a rescue mission and Paul knew that no matter what happened to him, there was always going to be a way of an escape because God would always have a solution to rescue him from it. Going back to Philippians chapter 1 verse 12, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, he says, that everything that has happened to me here has helped spread the good news. Look at what he's not doing. He's not asking why. Instead, he's trusting God's plan. He doesn't always know God's plan or understand God's plan, but he does trust God's plan. He trusts that his loving Heavenly Father will take care of him. He will provide. He will protect. He will execute his office of great shepherd. So stop asking why. What do we do then? Number two, start asking what. And the question is this, Lord, what is your purpose in this? I mean, what are you doing? What are you up to now? What are you trying to teach me? And it allows us to step into the waters of joy. The question here, what are you doing? Uh, it's going to help us discover these great things from God because we begin to realize that God is up to something very different from our plans. I mentioned to you earlier that Paul's dream was to go to Rome. And he wanted to do big things for God. I mean, it's great. His dream was great. His ideas, his thinking was good. God had a totally different plan. He went to Rome, all right. He went as a prisoner. Totally opposite of anything that Paul would ever dream of. And yet, Paul said, I want you to know, my dear brothers, the things that have happened to me here. Man, I mean, the good news of Jesus has just exploded. It's just been able to spread even more and more. Everyone here, verse 13 of chapter 1, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. They know that. They know that my story is forgiveness through Jesus. They know that my story is Jesus has, has spoken peace into my life. And he's filled me with his love, his mercy, his grace, and yes, now his joy. And, and then verse 14, because of my imprisonment, most of the believers have gone really discouraged and they quit and they, they wouldn't pick up a Bible ever again. Is that what he says? No, look at this. Pa Paul's hardships had an effect on people around him. Your response to the way life happens to you has an effect. Here's the effect. Most of the believers has gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. They see what I'm going through. They see my perspective, how my life is in Christ. My strength is in the Lord, and I'm going to walk with him and keep my eyes on him no matter what. And this is a good thing. Good things can happen from bad things. And I'm, 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 I'm choosing joy, and other people are blessed and strengthened because, because of that. So... What's that? I mean, it's just a good attitude, right? It's a good attitude. Paul was good at finding the good, so maybe being in prison is not ideal, but there's something good in it. And in and, and, and this, I'm going to find out what it is. That, friends, is what we call spiritual growth and maturity. Uh, that's how we grow. That's how we mature in our faith. And you know, we have the promises of God. Paul penned one, uh, many of them, one of our favorites, right? Is Romans 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for the good 
to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Number three, if we're not gonna ask why, if we are gonna ask what, the third challenge would be refocus on what really matters. Back in verse 10, that's what Paul said, give attention to what really matters. Well, what, what really matters? Well, in light of eternity, I mean, there's only a few things that would matter. Years and years ago, probably 20 plus years ago, I spoke a message series called 30 Days to Live. And in that series, we had interviews with people who were given 30 days or less to live. And, and we were trying to, by, you know, as politely as we could and respectfully as we could, try to get some answers and ideas and perspectives. And, you know, not one person suggested that they were upset because, dang, my car needs washed. I need to get my car washed. Because that wasn't one of the things that really mattered, right? So... They would talk about family, they would talk about relationships, they'd talk about love, and they'd talk about things along that nature. Paul says, if you want to know the secret to overcoming a bad day, you have to refocus on what really matters. I want to read to you uh, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 15. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy, some are preaching Jesus out of rivalry, others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me. They know what, that I've been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely. In fact, their intentions are to make my chains more painful. Verse 19, that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, here's what matters. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So, I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. Here, friends, is ultimate joy. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Again, Paul, what's your perspective? Well, for me to live, living is Christ. Dying is actually gain for me. He was very frustrating to those uh, in his care because they wanted to beat him, and they wanted to eventually execute him, and they, they would. But he says, guys, you know, if you let me live, I mean, I'm just going to live for Jesus and spread the good news of forgiveness. You know, and if I die, you know, well, I'm going to heaven. I mean, it's a win-win situation. And that's the point. Choose joy, friends. It's a win-win situation. When you know Christ, it's a win-win situation. There's a passage in the Old Testament, Isaiah 61, prophetic about the coming of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. And he talks about how the Lord has anointed me to, to preach the gospel and, and to bring good tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, things like that. And verse number two, or number, number three, he says, to give them beauty for ashes, to give the oil of joy for mourning, to give the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This is what our Messiah, this is what our Lord has brought to us. Every one of those is fascinating to me. The one, obviously, in the context of what our message is today is that middle one. He's given us the oil of joy for our mourning. And we live in tough days. And 2020, obviously, has <laughs> been tough, right? It's been different. It's been challenging, frustrating, annoying, not good, not on our best days list. But he calls joy an oil. And the oil of joy is going to help your mourning. It's going to soothe. It's going to smooth. It's going to cause you to operate at a high level. That's this oil of joy for mourning. Paul understood that Jesus was the source of his joy. He was the one that changed Paul's life. It was Jesus who gave him the oil of joy for his bad times, the garment of praise for those heavy days, that he would grow, that he would mature, that he would stand strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, living a life, the scripture says, that is honoring to God, glorifying to God. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, when Paul's coming to the end of his ministry and he's passing the baton and he's speaking into this pastor, this young pastor, Timothy, he sums it up and he says in verse 18, yes, the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and he will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen.
Paul had a rough time, but because he knew Jesus, there was no way that he could lose. If you know Jesus, friends, there's no way that you can lose. If we know Jesus, if we know Christ on a personal level, it is a win-win situation. I want to leave you with this. This was a definition that I found in reading uh, Kay, Kay Warren's book. Kay Warren is the wife of Rick Warren. You may recognize that name, A Purpose Driven Life book. And, and, and so she writes a, a book and she wrote a book called Joy. I would recommend this book very highly. And, and she wrote and said this, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. I don't know about you, but I can tell you that helps me. The settled assurance that God is in control of every detail in my life. She goes on, she describes it again. She says, joy is that quiet confidence that, that ultimately everything is going to be okay. Everything's gonna be all right. It's that quiet, deep, internal confidence. Joy, number three, she says, is that determined choice to praise God in all things. We're gonna end our service here. I would, just wanna to say to you that the, the idea of praise, the exercise of giving honor and glory and praise to God, whether it be through music and song like we like to do, whether it is in prayer or serving others or just spending time alone with the Lord, this, this act of worship, an act of praise, it is a soothing balm. It is a, it is a um, medication that brings perspective, godly, biblical, Jesus-like perspective to our situations, which is why we can say, and why the psalmist said, in your presence, it's just fullness of joy. And I ask you today, do you have the joy of Jesus? Are you joyful in his presence? And I would end by saying, it's your choice. It's your choice, so reach out today, open your heart and say, dear Lord Jesus, I surrender, I need you, I love you. Fill me with you. Would you stand with me, please, and bow your heads, close your eyes. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and you would say, oh, I don't have Jesus, I don't know Jesus, I would say, listen, God, he, he loves you. God loves you. He died for you. He gave his life for you. He desires to know you. The Bible says, and we say the Bible says a lot, but we don't really need to say the Bible says we know we are not perfect beings. We have sin in our lives. And we try to do what's good for the most part, and yet we, we're a bunch of screw-ups and mess-ups. That's why Jesus came to love us, to care for us, to die for us, and to offer this beautiful gift of forgiveness. And it comes in a relationship of faith with Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans 5 verse 1, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can have peace with God through Jesus at this very moment. Reach out to the Lord and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I love you. I need you, Lord. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. You have captured my heart today. I surrender to you. Build me up to know you and to love you and to serve others. Forgive me, Lord. I mean, that's the you know, kind of a prayer of salvation there as you turn your life over to Jesus. If you're here and you're a believer in Jesus and life's distractions, boy, we can go on and on about this topic because there's so many things in life that we would term as joy stealers or joy killers, you know? And as for some of you, your joy has been stolen from you. And I would encourage you and challenge you to know that it's still available as you quietly bow in the presence of God Lord, heal my hurt so that I could say when peace like a river attends my way or when storms like sea billows roll, whatever, dear God, it is well. And I live in glory to your name. Spend time with the Lord, even in the quietness of this moment. Father, we love you, we desire you, we need you, Lord. We look forward to continued growth and learning, and I pray, God, that you would bless those who need Christ today, that today would be the great day that they step out in faith 
and receive Christ and, and experience the beautiful gift of forgiveness. Dear God, I pray for those who follow Jesus and have lost a little bit of that joy because of various life details and distractions. I pray, Father, that you'd heal, minister, speak peace to each of us. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Freedom Church Online. We're so excited that no matter what your situation is in life, you have made receiving God's word today a priority. If you have given your life to Christ today, that's awesome, and we want to know about it. As a church family, we want to be there with you and for you as you begin this exciting journey. If you're on the Freedom Church app or our website, just hit the hamburger icon on the top left of your screen and hit connection card. If you are on Facebook or YouTube, you can click the link in the description. Just fill out the information on the form and then let us know about this exciting decision. If you did receive Christ for the first time today, your next step would be baptism. If you notice on the form, there is a place to select that as well. You can also select any other next steps that you may be interested in. Once you submit, we will be in contact with you to help you out and answer any of the questions that you may have. We also want to take this time to give back to God a portion of what He has so graciously given to us. If you're on our app or website, just hit the same hamburger icon from before and hit giving. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, again, just click the link in the description. These will all take you to a secure place to submit your offering. Also, just because we live in the age of technology doesn't mean you can't send in your tithe the old-fashioned way. If you seal it up in an envelope and send it to the address on your screen, that will work just as good. We want everyone to be able to experience the blessings that come from being faithful and trusting God with what He has blessed us with. We believe in offering because we believe in everyone giving, and we also believe that you can't outgive God. We hope you all have a very blessed week, and we'll see you next time.